I saw the, the Facebook video and I thought, 53 minutes, that can't be right. Oh no, it was right. Um, so let's jump right in. I'll try to tell less fake funny stories or stories that I think are funny. Luke 8, 22 through 23, and I've got, I've got them up here. Um, I felt like the Lord laid this, this scripture on my heart this week. Uh, just through various things, I was actually going to preach. I had determined I was going to preach on 1 Peter chapter 4, and then I was like, no, then I was going to preach on something else. But then I landed here. So um, let's just pray it's the Lord. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. I love that. Last week, I talked about how Jesus was tired and he sat down at the well. Jesus got tired. I love it. I don't know why. I just love seeing the humanity of Christ in these stories. Jesus settled down for a nap. I can just see him with like a little quilt. (laughs) Had a glass of warm milk. So Jesus settles down for a nap. Uh... I just love that language. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake, kind of like the storm we had last night. It was thunder and lightning. Our cats were scared. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. And Jesus is still sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, Suddenly the, the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? And I, there's another translation, and I can't remember which one it is. Um, it might be the message or it might be, I don't know. But, but Jesus says to him, don't you trust me? I love that. Don't you trust me? And we get in all kinds of life's problems sometimes and we, Jesus, Jesus, what are we going to do? And he's, he's there all along. We might think he's asleep in the boat, but he knows what's going on. He's not like us. I love that Jesus, oh, let's, let's read it. Um, he asked them, oh no, we already read it. Jesus wakes up and immediately calms the storm. I don't know about you, but when I wake up, it takes me a little bit to get my things together. You know, my mom used to fall asleep sometimes and we would like to scare her <laughs> and wake her up. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, what, what, what? (laughs) Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus woke up and spoke. And the the waves were calmed. And I love this quote from the disciples. Disciples were terrified and amazed. And they said, who is this man? That when he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. And I preached a sermon on that one time, and I won't rehash that. So they arrived in the region of uh, Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg... You don't torture me, for Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. 
This spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. For a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home, saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Lord, I thank you for uh, the scripture. I thank you that it's the written word. I thank you that you are the living word. I pray that the story would come alive to us this morning, God, that we would be drawn closer to you and that we would be changed into more like your image. Change us, Lord. Make us more like you. Do the work today in us. Complete the work, Lord, that you have begun in us. Set us free today from the things that bind us. Set our minds free. Set our spirits free. God, break the chains and the shackles off of lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is a fascinating story, and you could probably preach a month's worth of sermons just on Jesus' interaction in the boat with his disciples, let alone what happens to him when he gets to shore. Um, But I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't even hardly get out of the boat, and it's go time. You know, Jesus shows up, the man, the demons meet him at the shore. And I've heard messages preached on that. Before you even get your foot out the dough, the demons are there. And that's not my message today, but that's, <laughs> that's just interesting how the, they're right there. But, but I, I, love, I love this, how that Jesus is able to see past the devils to the man. You know, lots of times we see, we see the world in the terrible shape it's in, and we're like, oh, they're so wicked, they're so evil. But we're called to see past that and see the humans, to see the men, to see the women, to see the boys, to see the girls, to see the faces, and to know that, that Jesus loves them. Okay, this guy that, that, that Jesus encounters, he's had it pretty rough. We get a little bit of his story. He's homeless, and he's naked. And he's running around the tombs. Imagine if you went to the cemetery and encountered this. You would call 911, or you'd be scared, or you would run. And that's what I would encourage you to do. That's probably what I would do. It's funny, we did a play a couple years ago. Dave Bonham's not here this morning. But he, he depicted this guy pretty well in the play that we did. He was running around, foaming at the mouth, 
I mean, and I was playing the part of Jesus in the play, and I was a little scared the first practice that Dave started doing this. But he did a really good job. And it, it really kind of brought this story to life for me a little bit. But this guy had been through a lot. He'd been through a hard time. He was going through a hard time. He had been bound. And even when he seemed to break free from his chains, it said they bound him, but then he broke free and then he ran to isolation. He, 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 was surra- he surrounded himself with death, dead things, dead hopes, dead dreams, dead relationships, dead ambition. His situation is hopeless. He was a social outcast. He had a ton of issues. He actually had three tons of issues. And why do I say that? Because uh, the demons had named themselves Legion after the Roman soldiers. A legion of Roman soldiers was 6,000. So this guy had issues. 6,000 issues. Oh, I'd come to church, but I got issues. I'd go to Jesus, but I got to get this cleaned up first, and then I'm going to come. This guy didn't even have control of his mouth, but there was something in him that got him to Jesus. I love that. He knew that there was something getting off that boat that drew him. The demon started speaking for him. He couldn't control his mouth, but he got himself there. I don't care how you get there. Get to Jesus. Get to Jesus. Some of us can't control our mouths. (laughs) That's not in my notes. (laughs) Oh, that's just my, I just have a temper. No, maybe you have 6,000 demons. (laughs) I'm just being serious. Because if you can't control your mouth, there's an issue. This isn't in my notes, but I feel like I'm going to stay here for a second. You're in control of your mouth. And if you can't control, if you can't keep yourself from talking bad about others, then go to Jesus. You need to go to Jesus. They don't. You do. You're telling others that they do, but you're the one that needs to go. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, this guy, we don't even get his name. He's a perfect example of why you don't have to get cleaned up before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus just like you are. He was naked. He was homeless. He loved living in the tombs around dead people. And he had 6,000 problems. 6,000 different issues. You know, I've heard people say, well, there's the demon of alcoholism. There's a demon of this. There's a demon of that. Well, that, I mean, that may or may not be true. I don't know. It's not in the scripture. It talks about demons in the scripture and demons possessing people. So if that's the case, then this guy had 6,000 things he was dealing with. And he comes to Jesus. And Jesus sets him free. We don't have to wait until we're perfect to come to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm come to, I've come to preach to the poor, to give sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are captive. So if you're not blind this morning, there's nothing God can do for you. If you're not bound this morning, there's nothing God can do for you. If you aren't uh, poor this morning, there's nothing God can do for you. Fortunately for you, you're all those. We're all those things. Jesus said, uh, do you remember, I don't remember which church it was in Revelation. It might have been, 
I just read this the other day because it was in our scripture reading for the day. Uh, he said, you're blind. You think you're rich, but you are poor and you are blind. Just because you think you've got something figured out, you don't. Jesus raises the dead. Jesus brings resurrection. Jesus gives sight to the blind. Jesus sets the captives free. So you don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. You just have to come. You just have to come to Him. And there was something in that man that knew that this guy getting out of the boat had something that could set him free. And I'm telling you that Jesus has what can set you free. My first point is this. I even decided to put points in my notes this morning because last week was just all over the place. Maybe it'll go faster. (laughs) Bring your bondage to Jesus. Your dead dreams, your shackles, your nakedness, your demons. He can set you free and He can redeem you. Stop trying to get yourself free from the chains. I've referenced this before, but sometimes I watch that live PD and they put the handcuffs on people. And when they try to work themselves out, they get tighter. It gets more constricting. And then they're like, ah! And they got to come and loosen them. And they're like, quit fighting! And that's what we do. We try to get free from the chains ourselves. We think that we can free ourselves from, from these problems. And we can't. We make them worse. We make it worse. Jesus can set you free. That's my first point. Stop trying to get yourself free from the chains that Jesus was meant to unlock. Jesus can set you free. He can redeem you. Uh, That's my first point. My second point is this. Jesus cares more about people than profit. Um, I've always been troubled by this story, the passage that I read, that a couple things trouble me, and I'm not going to get to address all of them. But <laughs> One thing that troubles me is that Jesus grants the request of the demons. I just, I just don't get it. I don't understand. I'm not Jesus, though. So could it be that Jesus' mercy extends more than what we want to admit? I mean, why would Jesus do that? I mean, is Jesus just so merciful that no matter what he comes face to face with, he extends mercy? I don't know. I don't have the answer. But I know Jesus is merciful. And Jesus wants to free you. But anyway, so, he, so that's one of the things that troubles me, and I need to dive into that more and see what people smarter than me have had to say about it. Um, and yes, those people do exist. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a joke from my family. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So anyway, so there's these pigs grazing on the hill. And Mark tells us, in Mark's gospel, Mark's account of this tells us there's 2,000 of them. And these demons, Jesus is like, okay, to the pigs. And they go into the pigs, and the pigs run down a hill, and off themselves. It's just a strange story, but the townspeople, Jesus is in a foreign land, by the way, because how do we know? Well, he's across, he's, he comes to the land of Gadarenes, uh, or Gasserenia, however you want to say it, and they're keeping pigs, so that's one sign. He's not amongst uh, fellow uh, Jewish believers. 
And they send Jesus away. They say, we don't want this trouble, Jesus. Our economy can't handle you. You're trying to come over here and uh -uh, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I don't want to make all of you mad, but how many times have we turned Jesus away? Because it doesn't fit into our economy. It doesn't fit into our way of life. It doesn't fit into the way that we think the world should be run. After all, we've worked hard for what we've made. It's ours. Jesus cares more about people than profit. Oh, we'd never turn Jesus away. I'd never turn Jesus away. I was hungry. I was naked. I was thirsty. I was a foreigner. And you didn't feed me. You didn't clothe me. You didn't give me something to drink. And you didn't welcome me. Jesus, when did we do that? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Jesus cares more about people than profit. Let that sink. And if that makes you mad, good. That's how we know we're not like Jesus. Okay, that's my second point. Write it down. Put it in your notes. Get mad at me. Send me an email. Or at least talk bad about me to somebody else. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Jesus cares more about people than the, than the almighty dollar. Than the stock market. Than the 401k. He cares more about people who are suffering than he does about the economy. I had a friend come not too long ago, and he, he said, when you take your hand out of your pocket, you preach better. He said, when you put your hand in your pocket, you're kind of monotone. He said, it's when you take your hand out that it starts getting good. <laughs> so when I catch myself now, I put my hand in my pocket. I'm like, oh, man, this isn't good. So then i got to start getting loud and preachy again. That's my second point. Jesus cares more about freeing people, setting people free, easing people's suffering, making people's lives better than he does about the profit of a pig farmer. Jesus cares about the pig farmer. But he doesn't care so as much about his profit as he does about setting this guy free. And when I care more about logging into my 401k and oh, as long as that's going good, I guess it's okay. than I do about people, real lives, real distress, real problems. <clears throat> okay, I don't have all the answers politically. I know that, I, I don't. But I know we're supposed to treat people like Jesus did. That's what I know. And politicians aren't treating each other like Jesus would. Both sides, they're crazy. Don't wrap your hopes and dreams up in any of them. Wrap your hopes and dreams up in Jesus because He's the only way. Okay. There's only like two or three people I can look at right now. Without getting a dirty look, I'm just kidding. There's not even one. 
All right, what was my second point? Jesus cares more about people than profit. I mean, think about that. Jesus was going somewhere, and what he was bringing. And he only got to do one thing. He healed one guy, and that, ah! They didn't care about him healing the guy. What they didn't like was that the money was getting affected. Start messing with people's money, and you're going to find out who they really are. I know we don't like talking about money. Don't talk about my money. It's my money. I work for my money. Either the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and every good and perfect gift comes from above or it doesn't. And if God has put something in your hand, guess what? It's not for you. It's to give away to somebody else. It's to meet the needs that you have and then with the overflow to meet other people's needs. I'm preaching to myself, by the way, so... Because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, it's not so I can save money and someday have retired a beach condo. That's not why God gives you things. To make your life easier. We are part of the, we, we, we belong to the richest country in the world. And it's not so that we can pull our skirts aside and say, don't mess with this. So that we can open our arms and say, look what we've been given. Let's bless the world. We have enough resources in the United States of America to feed the world. I heard a statistic the other day, that, and I don't know if this is accurate, so that $23 billion could feed, could solve world hunger. And in this country, we spend that on... Um, Video games. Or I'm, I'm sure we spend more than that on video games. Man, I didn't know I was going to make everybody mad. Now I'm making the teenager look, hey, hey. <laughs> no, no, don't hit video games. Jesus cares more about people than profit. He does. And if you don't like it, then take it up with him. And my final point. Try to bring everybody back now. Is remember who you are. Thank you, John. John just finished the line for me. He said, Simba. <laughs> on the, in the, the car ride last home, last, on the car ride last night home from seeing the Lion King, my family was trying to figure out what, what I was going to use as an illustration today. And it's that. Remember who you are, Simba. <laughs> Remember who you are. Jesus crosses a lake in a storm, deals with disciple drama, Shows up, deals with demons, then the whole town turns against him so that he can touch one person. He goes through all the trouble, spends all the money on gas in the boat. Fill it. I mean, I know they didn't have gas engines. I'm not that moronic. Putting the supplies in the boat, getting the food for the boat, going over, almost everybody almost dying. Jesus, did you do this to us? 
He gets out of the boat, faces the demon. Then the town turns against him, says, and get out of here. All because of one man that needed deliverance. We sang about it this morning. The lost sheep. Think about that. What if you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does he not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Look, Jesus gets back to the other side of the lake, and they've been waiting on him. Jesus makes the world wait to go get that one that needs him. Jesus cares more about the one than he does. It's not that he doesn't care. He comes back and he heals a guy's daughter and he starts doing this, these wonderful things. But there was one person that needed him. And he abandoned everything and did, took all his resources and went and got that person. And if he did that for that man, he'll do it for you. Remember who you are. You are a child of God. God has stamped you with his image. Remember who you are. The whole world was waiting on Jesus. This man was worth it. So are you. You're worth crossing a lake for. You're worth enduring a storm for. You're worth more than 2,000 pigs. I don't know what that is in today's market. I don't know what you could go to uh, sell them for. I mean, that's a lot of bacon. You ever had million dollar bacon or millionaire bacon? Mm. You're worth more than 2,000 pigs. You're worth more than any dollar amount. Remember who you are. Remember, you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God. And no matter what is facing you, no matter what is troubling you, Jesus is coming to get you. Oh, Walker talked about it. He's, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Open up and let him in. Let him in. The song we sang, there's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up, no wall you won't kick down. Coming after me. And that's what Jesus did for this guy. He went into the cemetery. He went after this man. And he's coming after you. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. My fourth point, look at that. We're going to wind up pretty good time. Jesus has a mission for you right where you are. Once the man comes and he's healed, I love the picture. They come and they find the man seated at the feet of Jesus, clothed. Where do you get his clothes? You bet Jesus is like, Peter, I want your jacket. Uh, James, you got two pair of pants, or, you know, I know you got that special robe you've been saving. Like, Jesus, it's my favorite robe. People had to sacrifice for that man. We're not told where, where he got his clothes. I'm pretty sure he didn't, like, have a tidy closet somewhere that he kept it. 
after reading the previous things about his life, not to make a judgment on him, but he probably wasn't carrying a a fanny pack or a knapsack. Some people had to sacrifice for this guy. The disciples did. And it may have been begrudgingly, I don't know. Why doesn't Judas ever have to give anything up? But Jesus is, but this guy is at the feet of Jesus. And church, that's our mission. To get people to Jesus' feet. If they need clothes, we give them clothes. And if they need food, we give them food. And if they need something to drink, we give them something to drink. If they need their grass mowed, we mow their grass. If they need uh, money, if they need their utilities bills paid, we pay their utility bills. But we've got to get them to Jesus' feet. Whatever it takes. That's our mission as a church. That's what we do as a church. We take care of the community around us. And we get, try to get them to come to Jesus' feet. And he's sitting at Jesus' feet, and the townspeople come out and like, get out of here. Go back where you came from. This is Gadarenes. If you don't like it, go home. This is the way it is. We speak Gadarenes. <laughs> it's not even a language. <laughs> I'm trying, to make, I'm trying to make you see that the, the world hasn't changed that much. But we're to be, when, when stories like this are told, we're to be Jesus in that story. We're not to be the people saying, get out of here. We're not. We're to be Jesus in that story. That's what we're to be. Okay, I'm going to have to try to find Gatteranese for Dummies at, uh, on Amazon later. What was I talking about? Oh, we bring people to Jesus' feet. We give them what they need. So they kick the guy, they kick Jesus out. They're like, you know what? Uh, the Message Bible, I like their translation. Uh, it says, they said to him, this is too much too fast. We need you to leave. And uh, this just says they were afraid of what Jesus was doing. They didn't know what was going to happen next. I mean, he got rid of our pigs. What's next? Our cows, you know, our cows are going to go nuts. Our pigs went nuts. Now our cows are going to go nuts. What's going to happen next? So the guy's sitting at Jesus' feet, and he says to Jesus, I want to come with you. And Jesus is like, no. Jesus gives him a mission. Jesus commissions this guy. This, is, this guy's one of the first missionaries. Go back and tell everybody what I did for you. You don't have to memorize some big, long, you know, I know there's literature out there that you can read. If somebody asks you about Jesus, this is what you say. These are the scriptures you reference. This is what you do. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Jesus doesn't tell him that. He doesn't say, okay, start with the Ten Commandments, work your way up from there, then say that since God is such a just God, there has to be punishment. No. He says, tell them what I did for you. And that's how we evangelize. That's how we make disciples. Man, I was a mess. Look what Jesus did for me. Man, I see what you're going through. Let me tell you how Jesus helped me. 
That's how we bring change to our world. We tell others about Jesus. We tell others what he did for us. We, tell, we give others the good news that he did for us. Amen? Amen. 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 So I'm going to give you my four points one more time. I'm not going to preach them all again. I'm just going to give them to you again. The first one is bring your bondage to Jesus. I'm going to ask somebody if they'd come and play at the uh, piano for just a minute. Or guitar or, or whatever. My first point is bring your bondage to Jesus. My second one was Jesus cares more about people than he does about prophets. Not prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. <laughs> Not the prophets. Remember who you are. Remember that you have worth. Remember that God loves you. Remember that he did this for this man. He will do it for you. That, that Jesus will come after you. And remember that you have a mission. Right where you are. Right where you live. Right with the people that you know. You know, the people who used to know you as crazy and naked. People who used to know you as crazy and strange. God has you there for a reason. Let them see the change in you. Tell them what he's done for you. So I'd like for us all just to bow our heads and spend some time in prayer this morning. And maybe.